We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Today is Saturday, February 3rd. My name is Chris Crawford. I am joined by my good buddy, Ryan Boyer. Ryan, real quick, since we won't talk before it, who do you got winning the Super Bowl? Chiefs. Okay. I, I feel like they're... Inevitable? Uh, yeah, and <laughs> they're they're playing their best, best football yeah. season at the best time. Like I they, think they just look think really, really good. They do. I got the Chiefs one in as well, but I'll be rooting for the 49ers because I don't have any Patrick Mahomes rookie cards and I have a lot of Brock Birdie. That's a reason for me to make my analysis go 49ers. Uh, we're going to talk about a couple of big trade. Well, one big trade and one trade that has some fantasy ramifications. And then the second half of the show, we're going to continue our series, the overrated and underrated, moving on to the AL West. But let's start. With that trade, Ryan, uh, Corbin Burns, somewhat surprising. I mean, we all thought maybe Corbin Burns could be on the move, but we probably didn't think it was happening now. Corbin Burns heading to the Baltimore Orioles. In return, the Orioles are getting Joey Ortiz, D.L. Hall, and a competitive balance pick. A reminder, only competitive balance picks can be traded because baseball thinks it's 1766. Where do you stand on this trade, Ryan? I think it's a fascinating one. Um, I'll just be honest real quick that I thought it was light. I thought the return for someone of Burns' talent would have gotten a lot more, and that's not an insult to the names they got because Joey Ortiz and D.L. Hall are very talented player and gaining the compensation pick as well as the allocated funds that come with it. Nothing to sneeze at whatsoever. But when Corbin Burns is at his best, he's one of the best pitchers in baseball. And Ryan, I Based on the head nodding that I'm seeing, I think you tend to agree. Yeah, I thought it was light too. Like I, I, I'm surprised that this is the the offer that the Brewers decided to pull the trigger on. Like, right. as you mentioned, we, there's had been plenty of chatter about Burns being traded, but we hadn't really heard any for a while, and it seemed like they were probably going to hang on to him and kind of revisit the possibility at the deadline mm-hmm. um, because they're in a terrible division and even with a mediocre roster they still could could have been in contention easily the brewers sure. i still think they can be if they sign a they probably need a, at least one or two starters right but um yeah so it was a little odd i, I thought that the return was a little light i absolutely love the trade for the orioles like this is yeah. exactly what they needed mm-hmm. and 
not only does it give them the bona fide ace that they really needed, like Joey Ortiz and Dio Hall are both good prospects, but odds are neither one of them were going to have a big 2024 impact in the Orioles. None. So this is a complete net gain for 2024 for the Orioles for a team that won 101 games last year. So I, I just think it's the exact like between that and getting out from under the Angelos. Well, I guess they're not totally out out from under it. Uh, John Angelos is still going to be involved in the, but they're they're, they're selling anyway to a, to another another group. Uh, so between that and the Burns trade and happened within a matter of two days of each other, I guess something like that. Yeah, a lot of momentum and a lot of happiness in in Baltimore for sure. Yeah, I mean, you know what's funny is is when I saw that trade uh, break, of course, Jeff Passan broke it because that's all he does anymore is break every single major transaction. Go outside sometimes, Jeff. It's going to be okay, man. Like, you just, just <laughs> go for a walk or something like that, turn the phone off. Um, when I saw that trade, I was like, well, this is kind of a weird matchup because Baltimore doesn't – or Milwaukee doesn't need a young outfielders. They've got a lot of talented young guys. So, like, a Colton Kowser or Heston Kirstead, well – they didn't have to move those type of guys, and nor yeah. did they have to move a guy who most people think is their best infield prospect in Kobe Mayo. I think Kobe Mayo would have been an excellent get for Milwaukee. Uh, Joey Ortiz is kind of the definition to me of a better real-life prospect than a fantasy one. I think mm-hmm. he can hit for some average, you know, uh, spray the baseball around a little bit, but there's not a ton of power, and so much of his value is in the glove, and, you know, it's not not fantasy relevant because being good at defense puts you in the lineup and you need to be in sure. the lineup in order to accrue fantasy stats. But he doesn't se- seem like a guy to me who's going to be anything more than like middle infield option at, in terms of fantasy anyway. Like it's tough for me to see him ever being a regular uh, shortstop or second base or whatever they end up placing him at. Deal Hall's really interesting. The easy comp is Josh Hader, not only because the stuff is really good. He, they've got kind of similar hair. Hall has got them locks right now. That lettuce is flowing. He's really struggled to stay healthy. But that stuff in relief could be pretty special. And if they were to trade Devin Williams, which I don't think can be completely ruled out at this point, I kind of wonder if Deal Hall could be in for some save chances. That would be really interesting. Fantasy stock up. These are guys you roster in dynasty leagues, but I don't think you're planning on them being major, huge factors for them for Baltimore to do this, like to give up, you know, a top 75 prospect of the 34th pick of the draft, which can at times be like a top 150 prospects, depending on how deep the class is and a talented, but extremely volatile reliever. This is one of the best trades I've seen for a team in a long time. And I'm not even saying Milwaukee just completely screwed the pooch. I'm just saying that, like, if you have to pick a winner here, it's Baltimore by an absolute long shot. Um, Corbin Burns right now going right around 25th to 30th in fantasy leagues. Too high, too low. What do you think? I, I think he'll start to tick up. Um, I actually saw, I think it was uh, maybe Vlad Sudler did a screenshot of a draft he was in, in the middle of, uh, and someone – that happened shortly after. I don't know if it was a slow draft, but it happened shortly after the Burns trade was announced, and someone picked Burns fourth overall in that in that league. Wow, that's a little that's a little yeah. much. That's a little. Um, but I mean, it's an awesome fit. I mean, he's it's 
Yellowstone in, in left field now at Camden Yards. Well, I'll and, say Baltimore. Yeah, so it, it's just a it's just a perfect fit. And I mean, with Ortiz, I wonder like he could play third base now. They they their third base is wide open. They also have yeah. Tyler Black there, who's kind of interesting too. Kind of a weird profile, but sure. uh, could be fantasy relevant if he gets a shot. Mm-hmm. But will they more like as you mentioned, like? Ortiz's glove, and particularly his glove at shortstop, is arguably his best attribute. So, right, will they be more apt to deal Willie Damas now? Yeah. Um, when they asked Matt Arnold, the GM, about it, he was pretty cagey. He basically said, "Like, oh, you never know. Some things can present themselves, and you never." Sure. You know, you know, basically, he said, "If somebody gives me a good offer, sure, I'll, I'll yeah. make that trade." Yeah. So. We'll be interesting to see what, if anything, else. I mean, the, the Brewers are, aren't completely tanking. They just signed Reese Hoskins to a two-year sure. deal like a week ago. Yeah. So, I mean, even in this weekend state, if they go out and sign like Hinge and Ryu or somebody, like they could still easily win that division. But you've got to wonder, like, they're always looking to maximize value. So they could continue to make some trades for sure. Do you think this trade has any impact on Freddie Peralta's fantasy value? Because Freddie Peralta now clearly the ace of the Milwaukee Brewers. Mm-hmm. Maybe a chance to make a couple of more starts, maybe throw a few more innings. Um, does does it have any impact to you whatsoever, Freddie Peralta now? I, I don't think so. Not really. Um, maybe slightly, but also given his – Injury history is right. if, is if he's going to get pushed a little bit more, maybe that's not the best thing. Sure, um, but yeah, I, I think it's pretty neutral for him. I would say. And then one final thing on the trade: if DL Hall does get the chance to start, and I don't think that that's going to happen. Um, interested in him at all in redraft leagues? Lay around dart throw, sure. Um, yeah. Milwaukee's got. I mean. I'm going to butcher his last name, but Jacob Mizorowski. Yes. Right. Kind of a, I mean, he's basically DL Hall from the right side on, on steroids kind of, uh, they're both. Could they be, if everything absolutely clicks, they could be awesome starters, but there's a lot of bullpen risk for both of them. Mm -hmm. Um, but the stuff is pretty loud for both of them too. Aaron Ashby is kind of in that same boat as well. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, he's coming off shoulder surgery, but yeah, the Brewers have some. Inst- Robert Gasser probably his stock goes up a little bit. He could make a lot of starts now. He's could be fantasy relevant. Not a bad pitching prospect. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see what Milwaukee does if anything else. Yeah, just looking at their depth chart right now, they have the rotation listed as Peralta, Wade Miley, Joe Ross, Colin Ray, and Robert Gasser. Yeah. Pretty big downgrade from what they had in 2023. Understatement is understatement, but playing in a friendly division, I'll be curious to see. And I'm curious to see what other moves will happen because I very much doubt Milwaukee is done in that regard. Speaking of teams not done, the Seattle Mariners made their second trade. This one not nearly as fantasy exciting as Jorge Polanco, but could have some pretty big fantasy ramifications. Uh, not so much for the team that's getting the major league player. Uh, Gregory Polanco is headed from the White Sox to the Mariners. And in exchange, they're giving up a 2024 Prelander Baroa. It just sounds like a car name, man. The Prelander Baroa is definitely something that you can find on a lot somewhere. Uh, Zach Deloach 
and nice the 69th pick of the draft this is one that i don't think has a ton of fantasy relevance for the mariners but i think there's a pretty big one as bad as the white Sox are i think ryan we were all assuming that gregory santos was going to be the closer for the white Sox. who the heck is that guy now yeah we were talking a little bit before we went on air and i i think the leader in the clubhouse is probably john brebbia I mean, they gave him, they just gave him a five and a half million dollar deal. Sure. Um, Garrett Crochet, they're going to try to stretch back out into being a starter. So mm-hmm. it's a, I mean, Bar- Baroa himself could, is he completely, are, are they done considering I, him as a starter? I Probably. So. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I mentioned before, he's basically Santos with, um, uh, bad control like it's yeah. very very bad control very um, bad. but he throws really hard his stuff can be when he's on he's, he's very very nasty yeah um so i wouldn't roll out him getting a shot to close for the white Sox. i would put the odd on, odds on favorite at john brebery right now but if you're giving me you know over under 10 saves i'm probably taking the under that that's just a situation i want to avoid yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, just some real quick numbers on Santos, just because I don't think people realize just how good this guy was last year. Uh, 100th percentile in barrel rate. 1.5% of the time is how often he allowed a barrel. That is a stupid good number. Um, throws really hard, but I'll give you an interesting stat because I think Gregory Santos might not be the pitcher people think he is. Um, chase rate in the 91st percentile, whiff rate in the 77th. I think he had some bad luck with strikeouts actually last year, Ryan, uh, 44% K rate, but 77% whiff rate, which tells me he was getting a lot of swing and misses on strike one and strike two, and then finishing hitters off with ground balls in uh, to end at bats. But I think a lot of people look at Santos and they see that he throws 99 miles per hour, often touching the triple digits and think that his fastball is his best pitch. No, no, no. And there's a reason why this guy threw his slider 52% of the time. Ryan, hitters had a 403 weighted on base average against his fastball last year. That's awful. Really bad. One slugging, too. So, and that's a weird number considering how few barrels he gave up. And I, I guess that does tell you how often he was throwing his slider. I wouldn't be totally surprised if he got some save chances because the Mariners are just, especially under DePoto and Hollander, are just never going to have a set it and forget it closer. That's just not what they do. Andre Munoz overwhelming favorite i think to get saves but matt brash is going to get some save looks and i think santos could as well al only league maybe you're throwing a dart at him um get some holds i've noticed a lot of leagues by the way now using hold as a five by five category uh quick thoughts on that by the way i'm okay with it um i don't know i it's kind of is it fun to kind of mine yeah, the relief pools to yeah, I, it's just like so. I, I feel like if you have holds as a category, um, like there's just going to be an avalanche of waiver wire moves because like there's who gets holds from year to year is not sticky at all, right? Like you just kind of have to see which way the wind is blowing early in the sure. season. Yeah, so I don't know how much draft strategy is really involved in that or mm-hmm. how much you can um so I, i'm i don't know i'm i'm fine with it but mostly because you know 
I'm not crazy about just having saves as a, as a category either. So, yeah, I think the fun thing about having holds as a five by five stat is that no, it doesn't change your draft strategy. I think it changes your roster management throughout the season quite a bit because, you know, like last year was one of the first time I played in a league that had it as a hold category. I had to go into Yahoo and sort by hold leads, you know, and look at guys who had holds over the last seven days and stuff like that. It adds to some fun. You know what I mean? Like, is it more valuable to have a reliever who can give you two or three holds or a starting pitcher that might be facing a average lineup? Like which player has more valuable? So anything you can do to add to that is great. We were talking too much about relievers, Ryan. We swore we were never going to do it again. But I do think that the hold category, it makes more sense to have that than some of these other stats. Um, real quick on the prospects, I, Zach Deloach is fairly interesting. Put up really good numbers in Tacoma. A lot of swing and miss. 174 strikeouts last year. And he doesn't have the elite power that normally comes with that kind of um, K total that makes him an interesting prospect. But a good approach. I think he's more fourth outfielder. You talked about Baroa. Baroa's stuff is sick. Like, and he got a brief look with the Mariners. He was awful in his first call up, and the Mariners decided, well, we're not going to trust that again. But then got another chance at the end of September. Only one appearance, but was fantastic. And he showed this type of stuff that someday could be a closer. If you're playing in a dynasty league and you're real deep in minor league guys, I would be trying to roster Baroa because it would not shock me one bit. If someday Prelander Barroa was one of the top 10 relievers in baseball. I mean, that's that's high praise. Don't get me wrong. But that guy's fastball and slider and the fact that he can throw a change as well that's above average too. You just don't see it. The question mark is if he's going to throw enough strikes, of course. And there's just a good a chance that Prelander Barroa is out of baseball in three years as he is that top 10 reliever. Maybe even higher than the out of thing because the command is that bad. But if you're playing in a deep dynasty league, um, maybe look at acquiring a Prelander Baroa. There are leasing options available. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and then we're going to talk about the overrated and the underrated for the AL West. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right. AOS time. And this is an interesting division, Ryan, because it's the haves and have-nots. There are three teams that I think are really good. Two teams that are really, really good. One team, my team, that is somewhere in between. It could be really good. It could be awful, depending on health. Los Angeles looks awful. And they're they're going to make some roster moves. I understand that. And then uh, apparently Oakland is still a major league team. Um, I, I, I still vaguely research. I need to update my Microsoft and Carta, I guess. But they're still a major league team. But do have actually a couple of interesting fantasy guys. And why don't we start there? Who do you think is being underrated um, from Oakland in terms of fantasy potential for 2024? So I, I have. Uh... Luis Medina is my mm. is my underrated. Um, and when I put this together, a little bit has changed because I I, I know the uh, Ross Stripling trade happened after the oh yeah, Alex yeah. Woods signing might have happened after it too. So I, I guess Medina doesn't technically have a locked in rotation spot. I I think he'll probably get one. Yeah. The A's rotation still is not uh, exactly, you know, locked down. But mm-hmm. yeah, Medina came over in the in the Frankie Montas trade from the Yankees. Like he looks the part. Like he, it, he if you catch him on the right night, he can look really nasty. He got a high nineties fastball. He had a forty eight point two percent whiff rate on his slider. Also had a thirty plus percent whiff rate on his curveball and his changeup. There's obvious drawbacks with him also. Sure. Um, control is bad. He's on a very, very bad team. Mm-hmm. Um, the numbers don't back up the stuff, really. They haven't really for most of his professional career. Um, that's an interesting mix, though, of, of, of swing and miss. I mean, he's the kind of guy that maybe just a tweak or two and he could look – he could be a mid-rotation starter, and not, I'm talking about not just on the A's, on like an actual major league team. Um, so, you know, <laughs> he's got an NFBC ADP of 655. So, wow. calling him underrated is, you know, he's he's basically not rated. Uh, but this is reserved for very deep leagues, right? Um, not your 12 teamer. Probably not even your 15 teamer, maybe a, a late flyer, but I think he's one of the few, at least, intriguing talents that the A's have. Right. I mean, look, this was got a guy who was on his way to being a top 50 prospect before some injury stuff and some inconsistent pitching as well, to be fair. Uh, I like Medina a lot in large part because when Drew and I were doing the podcast, we were doing a Sunday battle, uh, and the winner had to uh, didn't have to upload the episode. And I picked Luis Medina four straight weeks, and he won all four of those guys, all four of those games, just because you know what I was I was feeling hot. And Luis Medina certainly has the stuff for success, a lot of volatility, but I do like that call. Uh, Ryan, did you know there's a member of the Oakland A's? 
who was in the 85th percentile in average exit velocity, the 93rd percentile in barrel percentage, the 91st percentile in hard hit percentage. Did you know that? Uh, I, this is the first I'm hearing of it. And it was Please. Brent Rooker. And Brent Rooker is going basically undrafted in leagues, and I think that's a huge mistake. I get the risk. The risk is that this is a guy who is never going to provide much stolen base value, and he strikes out a lot. He whiffed in 38.2% of his swings. He struck out in 32.7% of his plate appearances. That's very bad. But I think he's. we forget, like, you look at Brent Rooker and he's 29. That's a young 29. There is a lot of good baseball, I think, left in this guy. And he was able to provide 30 homers, and he had an 817 OPS. It doesn't make any sense for me that Brent Rooker is going undrafted with that type of power. The concern is he's not going to help you in average, and because Oakland's lineup is doo-doo, he's not probably going to help you in RBI either. But I do think that there is enough there with the pop, especially in an OBP league. I really like him because his approach is so good. And I just think this is a guy who's going to make a big jump too. Like this was really his first taste of being a regular, and I think he handled it pretty darn well. I would expect Brent Rooker to be a 35 homer guy, 90 RBI, hit 220, sure, but I think that has enough to be fantasy relevant. And then we'll go. I'll go into my uh, overrated. Shane Langoliers is the 20th catcher off the board. Hard pass. I am not having Shane Langoliers being one of my top two catchers. Good power for sure, but I don't think he's going to provide enough homers. I certainly know he's not going to provide enough RBI for reasons I just explained. Uh, Albatross in the average category for sure. There's just too many good catchers. One that I will bring up in my underrated for the Angels in just a sec. Maybe that gives it away a little bit. But Shay Langoliers, I'm all the way out on for 2024 anyway. Yeah, and, and Rooker too, I'll say. like He's the kind of guy who could have a big first half and get traded to an actually decent team. That's a good point. And that could boost his potential counting stats outlook. We, we heard rumors. I know his, he was, his name was floated in, in some rumors last year as well mm-hmm. after he got off to that big start. And I'm with you on Langoliers too. Um, the power is good. And there's also, I mean, how much catching is Tyler Soderstrom going to do? But Langoliers I don't think is going to play quite as much as he did last year. So that's right. something to keep in mind too. And he's like, if he's not going to play as much, like, he's counting on playing enough to get to 20, 25 home runs. If he doesn't do that, then he's absolutely useless for you. Great point. My overrated, and I feel bad doing this because he's like their one bright light on their (laughs) roster right now, but Zach Geloff, he was great after being called up last year. 14 home runs, 14 stolen bases in a very nice 69 games. That's after he also hit 12 home runs, stole 20 bases at the launching pad at Las Vegas. Right. But also had a 27.3% strikeout rate, 72.4% zone contact rate, well below average, 33.3% whiff rate. So it could tend to point to that strikeout rate going up a little more. Was a beneficiary sure. of a 331 bad average on balls in play. Went over it again with the – Terrible team context. Um, not a good park to hit in. NFBC ADP is at 133 right now. That's just – I don't want really any part of that Oakland offense. Zach Geloff is a good player. If he was on a different team, I could certainly change my tune. But where he's sitting at right now, he's 
not going to be rostered by me. Yeah, uh, real quick, I, I like Geloff, and I especially like him as a, a long term play. But he's going over guys like Jorge Polanco and Edward Julian and Andre Semenez and being drafted around the same spot as Bryson Stott. Long term, I think he can definitely be better than those guys. In the short term, it doesn't make sense for him to go over those players. Not with the way Oakland's roster is set up and not with the fact that this is a second-year player. Uh, I will let you now go to those Angels. I'm sorry to interrupt you, my friend. Oh, you're good. It's Yeah, Reed Detmers. I'm going back to the Reed Detmers well. Nice. I, I think I rostered him on every single team I had last year. Didn't quite work out. 448 ERA, 135 whip. Battled some inconsistency as he tried to figure out his his pitch mix. I know he threw a couple different sliders and didn't really find the right mix for it consistently, but he had some great stretches still. Had 168 strikeouts over 148 in the third innings. Still just 24 years old. Um, NFBC ADP sitting at 245. I mean, that's it's the kind of – that's a pick that you can – hope to catch lightning in a bottle. And if not, you can just move on mm-hmm. um, in a shallower mixed league. So I, I think Reed Detmer still has the potential to be a difference maker. And at the very least, he's going to provide strikeout upside. Yeah. And it's weird how different a pitcher Detmers is than what we thought he was coming out of college. Right? Like he was the set it and forget it lefty in every draft that goes high and he ends up being a mid rotation starter. He's not that at all. He is a very volatile guy, and there are going to be flashes of brilliance, and there are going to be starts where you think, how the heck was this guy the 10th pick of a draft? Like, that is just going to be what Reed Detmers is at this point, but I think there's just enough upside to justify uh, where you're talking about him. Uh, I'm going to select his battery mate and go with Logan Ohapi. I don't think people realize how good Logan Ohapi was especially after coming back from that injury. Uh, yeah. Barreled the baseball 15.6% of the time, expected slugging of 500, hard hit percentage of 46.7. I mean, this guy has big-time power. And, like, the fact that Ohapi and Langoliers in some leagues that I've been have been drafted relatively close, that just doesn't make any sense to me at all. He's being drafted on average about the 14th catcher in leagues. I think he's an easy catcher one. I think that there is – if I end up with him as my starting catcher, uh, I'm going to be upset that I still can't get a league with no catchers, but I'll be okay with it. Like, I think Logan Ohapi has a chance to be 30 home runs, 100 RBI, even though, again, I do not love this Angels lineup whatsoever. Um, and I'll talk about it, a guy that I really am uh, out on for the long term, anyway, or the short term anyway. But I do think Logan Ohapi has absolutely a chance to be a catcher one this year. And then uh, Noah Shanwell, like, I get it from a long-term perspective. It's really impressive that this guy was able to come up and perform adequately. There's just too many good first basemen. It doesn't make any sense. If he could play elsewhere, yeah, I would absolutely consider him for a roster spot. And, you know, if you – I'd much rather – there's a lot of guys, like, I have FOMO. I talk about it a lot, right? The fear of missing out. I can't have fear of missing out for a first baseman that doesn't have elite power. And no one, Shanwell, just doesn't have elite power. Long-term, think he has a shot to be a everyday first baseman in fantasy rosters. But for 2024, I'm pretty much out. Yeah, it's a it's a, a weird profile with Shanwell. Um, right. Like he's 
probably going to be their leadoff hitter. He's could be a an elite. He was an elite on base guy right out of the gate for the Angels. Right, like literally got on base every single game he played after being called up. Um, but like like you said, like he hit the ball on the ground a ton, and a weird swing, very very weird swing. Yep, it's like kind of like Craig Council, but not quite. Um, just an odd setup and swing he has, but that's always been the worry with him. Like he's going to, we don't know how much power he's ultimately going to, going to hit for. And at first base, that's just a weird, uh, weird setup. Um, Oh, hoppy though. Like I, Brandon Marsh had a nice year with the Phillies, but I I think the Phillies are going to wind up regretting that trade over the long haul. Um, obviously they have JT Ramuto there still, but just value for value. I think they could wind up regretting it. Great. I'm gonna go with Mike Trout as my as my my overrated. Played in less than fifty percent of the Angels games over the last three season. Um, that includes just eighty-two games last year. Had fractured his handmate bone. Six stolen bases on seven attempts since 2020, and he's talked oh about God. how he he doesn't. I don't know if he said he outright doesn't know how or just is uncomfortable sliding feet first. And the decision has basically been made that it, it's there's too much injury risk lighting head first. So right. he's just not going to run anymore. That's just not going to happen. He's also striking out a lot more than he used to. 28.2% strikeout rate since 2021. Prior to that, it was 21.3%, you know, better than league average. And now it's well below league average. And he wasn't – he just – I mean – Trout, we used to be able to fall back on. Yes, he's an injury risk, but when he's on the field, he's going to be an elite, one of the best hitters in the game. But last year, he wasn't. Yeah. 858 OPS, he was fine. And as you mentioned, the Angels lineup could be very bad. Uh, NFBC ADP 68. I mean, this is as cheap as Mike Trout has ever been, mm-hmm. um, but I still think it's a little too high. Uh, I just don't know that he's going to – provide enough value and to and just weighing it everything with the injury risk and all that no it makes sense and i'll tell you what uh mike trout is really overrated in and i hate saying this by the way one of if not the greatest baseball player that i've seen with my own two eyes he's going like 22nd in underdog leagues and in uh best ball leagues that's way too high you need combo meal guys with those high picks. Mm-hmm. And Mike Trout is not going to provide combo meals for you. He's going to give you a couple two homer games, and those are going to be great. But you really need those guys, the Adolis Garcias of the world, that are going to give you a homer and a stolen base. It doesn't make any sense for him to be going in the first two rounds in that. And I hate saying that because Mike Trout is like in the firm discussion, even with the fact that he stopped running and he's dealt with injuries, of the Mount Rushmore of baseball. Like he is that sure. good of a baseball player, but people are going to overdraft him because he is on that mountain, but you don't get those stats from 2011, 2012 anymore. That's just not the player Mike yep. Trout is. Would you agree though, if Mike Trout were to be traded and I don't think we can 1000% rule it out a little bit of a stock up then just because of the chance to drive in some dudes. Oh, I think definitely. And that it would also mean that he's, healthy yeah so that's a good um, point uh i mean we've heard rumors about the phillies that would be in a really fun trade to see to see made going to his hometown but yeah i mean i don't think you can weigh that into his preseason 
outlook as far as fantasy goes because he's got the no trade clause. He seems very comfortable in Anaheim. Um, but yeah, I, I do think it would definitely be stock up if, if he's having a great healthy season in the first half and the angels are bad again, then I think you'll, you'll start hearing some whispers that are maybe growing into, to roars. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. Um, let's move on to the, there's three A's in the, uh, um, American league West. Let's move to the third one. The team that uh, I think may be a little bit underrated right now. Let's talk about the Astros and who you think is being underrated right now. Yeah, I got Christian Javier. Um, first 12 starts last season, 284 ERA, 0.99 whip, 72 to 16 strikeout to walk rate, over 69 and two-thirds innings. Next 13 starts, ugh, 6.71 ERA, 1.67 whip. Strikeout to walk rate 47 to 35 or 61, 61 and two-thirds innings. Very ugly, but came back strong down the stretch, 40 to 11 strikeout to walk rate in 30 and two-thirds September innings. The home runs were down, which can be an issue for him. The stuff plus was up. The pitching plus was up. He's got a spotless health history. Uh, I know he – I mean, he spent a lot of time in the bullpen, so he hasn't – been like a workhorse sure um but like he hasn't had any injuries like at all that's encouraging he'll be just 27 in march and you're looking at an nfbc adp at 174 i i I think there's plenty of room to come away with value there i think that's a really good call I, i i uh acknowledge the volatility for sure but i think that there is a lot more upside than those numbers last year suggest Javier is definitely a member of that rotation at this point. You don't have to worry about that. Definitely being underrated. This guy's <laughs> calling him underdrafted is kind of weird because I've seen him go in the first round, but not enough people are taking Jordan Alvarez in the first round. We are talking about a hitter last year, Ryan, and I know we probably use baseball savant too much, whatever. Expected waiting on base percentage in the 99th percentile, expected slugging in the 99th percentile, barrel rate in the 99th percentile, walk rate in the 93rd percentile, average exit velocity in the 96th percentile, expected batting average in the 97th percentile. When I see this guy slip to the second round, I start bashing my head a little bit. And the reasons are somewhat justifiable. He's dealt with health stuff. He doesn't steal bases. But this is one of the best offensive players I've ever seen. Like, just watching this guy swing, it is similar to me, and I'll make another uh, another sport comparison, like, where we talked about football. Every time Dirk Nowitzki took a jump shot, I thought it was going to go in. Every time Dirk, or every time Jordan Alvarez swings to bat, I expect a double or better. Like, it just seems like an inevitability. He is like the Thanos of hitting, and I know I've made the inevitable thing twice as well today. I'm taking him in the first round. I'm probably taking him in the top 10 because I believe in him helping in the average category, the Homer category and the RBI category that much. Give me all the Jordan Alvarez that I can get. And then my underrated, I mean, I talked about it and I don't want to seem like I'm just bashing this guy. He's actually one of the first people I ever interviewed when I was working for ESPN high school, uh, Alex Bregman. I just don't see the upside. There's too many talented third basemen. If he slips, you know, and he's like, third baseman 11 or 12 off the board yeah that's fine with me i'm not taking him as one of the top five or six third baseman i just can't 
Yeah. I mean, you know, a thought I just had on Jordan, if you take out stolen bases and make it a four by four league, where would he go in drafts? Oh. Like who, who, how many players would you take ahead of him? Like the oh, only, man. the only detractor is the health history. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, it's looking like he's probably going to play less in the outfield. The, the Astros are, seem committed to hanging on to Jake Myers now and stick him in center field and Chaz McCormick and left. I think those guys are both really good defenders. And I mean, if you can, if it means you're going to have Jordan Alvarez for 140 plus games, just making him exclusive DH, then you got to do that because he's just an absolute four category monster. Mm -hmm. Like the combination of impossible to strike out and just, ridiculous power is just just crazy yeah my overrated i think people are kind of anointing yiner diaz a little too soon gotcha you know you mentioned the baseball savant he's his page is very it's a very baseball savant sexy for sure <laughs> it's, it's the ball very very hard right he had 23 home runs and just 377 plate appearances last year he didn't start playing regularly until June, um, but then from June on, he had an 8.94 OPS. However, walk rate, chase rate, both in the first percentile. Striker rate is in 67, 65th percentile, but his whiff rate is in 37th percentile. So it kind of indicates that he could backslide a little bit there. The plate discipline is not good at all. I also think, I mean, did the Astros give – um, Victor Caratini, twelve million to only play him once a week. I, I yeah. feel like he's going to play a little more than we we want him to play. Sure. We're talking about a team that prioritized Martin Maldonado over Yiner Diaz last year, right? For the majority of the season, um, so I, I worry. And I, as I mentioned, I, I do think Jordan Alvarez is going to be sucking up almost all of those DH at bats. So mm-hmm. Yiner Diaz got a lot of DH time last year. Don't think that's going to happen so much in 2024. I think there's with an NFBC ADP of 107. I just think there's a little more downside than people are acknowledging. And as you mentioned, a guy like Logan O'Hoppy, you can get what 40 40 picks later. Exactly. But it, there's catchers surprisingly deep. Um, I would rather wait than than splurge on Yanner Diaz there. So real quick, I'm going to give you, because uh, according to our ADP page, and by the way, check that out, uh, rotowire.com. Make sure you're checking everything out that we're putting out, rotowire.com slash pod to get a free uh, look at everything that we're doing. If you're not a subscriber already, can't recommend it enough. But according to this, Yanir Diaz is the sixth catcher off the board. I'm going to give you seven through 10, and you're telling me, you're going to tell me which catcher you want more. Uh, just quick, uh, the name. Uh, Yanir Diaz or Sean Murphy? Murphy. Yanir Diaz or Jonah Heim? I think I would take Diaz there, actually. Okay. That's pretty close. Yanir Diaz or your boy Wilson Contreras? Contreras. Yanir Diaz or Salvador Perez? Perez. I'm going to give you two more. Yanir Diaz or Francisco Alvarez? Francisco Alvarez. Okay. And then finally, and this is an easy one for me, Yainer Diaz or Gabriel Moreno? Uh, I love Gabriel Moreno. Yeah. I I think I would take Moreno. Yeah, I would too. And and look, 
That's not an insult, by the way, to Diaz. The catcher position is better than it's been in a very, very, very long time. For sure. But we think we might just be using the Savant page a little bit too much. I plan on doing it a lot this year as well. Uh, Let's go to the Mariners. And, hey, I'll start off this time. Give me Big Dumper. I think that Cal Rowley was so underrated last year, what he did numbers-wise. That power is legit. I think Cal Rowley is going to hit 30, 40 home runs this year. I think that we are forgetting that that was really his first full Major League Baseball season. And what he did last year I thought was pretty darn good. He's going to catch a lot because he's one of the best defensive players at the position. Maybe one of the best defensive players in baseball altogether, Ryan. Like, I think his offensive upside is competes with any catcher in baseball. He's going fifth overall. That's actually probably right. The big four, I think, is kind of set up at that position right now. But it wouldn't shock me if he was a top three catcher this year. There is just so much offensive upside. And because the Mariners have lengthened that lineup, not the way I necessarily would have liked to have seen it done, but I do think it is slightly better than last year. I think the chance to drive in 115 or so runs is there for him as well. I'm just a big fan of Big Dumper, Ryan. I can't. I don't blame you. I'm a big fan of the other quote-unquote catcher in the Mariners who's not actually going to catch for the Mariners. I was going to ask you about him. Mitch Garver, yeah. 19 home runs and 344 plate appearances last year, 12.1% barrel rate, 12.8% walk rate. Since 2019, his 162-game averages, 37 home runs, 90 RBI. Wow. Now, that does sound very, very good. I mean, but Mitch Garver, <laughs> Mitch Garver might need three seasons to get to 162 <laughs> games. Yes. Um, he's not a bastion of health, hasn't been in his career, but he's going to be a full time DH. Um, I don't think they really plan to catch him at all. He's going to play against lefties, he's going to play against righties. Yeah. I love me some catcher eligible designated hitters. Yeah. If Mitch Garver stays healthy, which again, I realize that's a question mark. He's in his mid thirties now, but if he stays healthy, he's like almost a, a bankable top five fantasy catcher. I don't think there's any doubt that that's going to happen. And his NFBC ADP right now is at 192. So Plenty of value to be had there. I'll go ahead and go move into my overrated. We talked about him a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. Munoz, I agree that he's going to be at the top of the heap for potential potential saves in the Mariners' bullpen, but did miss two months with a shoulder injury last year. He's had Tommy John twice. Like The stuff is outstanding, but K-rate did go down about 7% last year. Walk rate went up. Fastball velocity was a tick down. Even after Paul Seawall was traded, he got he got just eleven of eighteen saves for the Mariners. Yeah. It's as you mentioned, like they're just Scott Service. I think is a fantastic manager. He's not doing the wrong thing, right? But it's just frustrating for fantasy managers. Like I I, I think we see Seawall is gone, and we're gonna anoint a guy who's got amazing stuff as a immediate lockdown closer. And I, I think he's going to be a lockdown reliever as long as he's healthy. Right. But, you know, they just traded for Santos, as we mentioned. Matt Brash, I think, is a, actually where he's going in drafts, which is basically not getting drafted. I think he's actually a really good play. Sure. I think he could get 10 to 15 saves and 
strike out the entire world. Um, but yeah, Munoz, I'm just not banking on 30 plus saves as many others are. Yeah. I mean, look, if Munoz slips, I'll definitely take a look at that. You know what I mean? But you probably are going to have to draft him as like a top six or seven closer. Can't do that. Just can't do that. There just aren't going to be enough opportunities. I think for him to pitch in the ninth inning, you know, again, I talk a lot about FOMO. I don't have FOMO with Andres Munoz because as good as that guy's stuff is, and it may be the best stuff of any reliever in baseball. If, if, if it's not him, it's Matt Brash. It may be, I'm a little bit biased as a Mariner fan, but like, just take a look at their strikeout rates and you tell me I'm wrong, by the way. Those guys, that guy's stuff, both of them are electric, but if they're not pitching in the ninth inning, the way fantasy baseball works right now, it's just not going to help you enough. Um, I was going to do Luke Rayleigh as my underdrafted, but I'm going to switch it up. And it has a lot to do with the fact that the Mariners acquired Jorge Polanco and that trade, while very good for the Seattle Mariners, they needed that offensive lineup. I think it hurts the pitching staff. So I'm going to go with uh, Luis Castillo, George Kirby, and Logan Gilbert. And I'm taking him down a notch because that infield defense right now is Ty France at first, Jorge Polanco at second, J.P. Crawford at short, and a combination of Josh Rojas and Luis Urias at third base. Yeah. That's bad. That is a bad defensive group. I asked a former general manager if that's the worst defense in the American League. He said no, but if Boston doesn't exist, yes. That is a horrible (laughs) infield defense, and take a look at what all those pitchers do. Yes, they miss a lot of bats. They also get a ton of ground balls. I think there's going to be a lot of baseballs that end up going into up the middle or going between third and short or going between first and second because none of those guys have elite range. None of them do. They are nice offensive players when they're at their best but that is a bad defensive lineup and you're going to get hurt and whip with Castillo less with Kirby, yeah. because I don't think he's walked a hitter in his entire life. If he has, it's fake news and Logan Gilbert, a little more fly ball heavy than those guys, but he still does generate quite a few ground balls. It's something you have to consider. If you are weighing, taking Luis Castillo versus Logan Webb or George Kirby versus those type of guys, at least keep in mind the fact that they get a lot of ground balls. And a lot of ground balls, I think, are going to get through. See, this is why you're the best. This is not an angle I had really considered a lot, to be honest. Yeah. But it's a very, very good point. I'm glad you – Luke Rayleigh appreci- appreciates it too. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you didn't get to kind of bag on him for yeah. a few minutes. But and yeah, real, quick on, real quick on Luke Rayleigh, um, a nice player. Um People are going to overdraft him based on his first half. He was pretty terrible in the second half of the year. And I think he's going to be a platoon guy because the Mariners desperately want to be the Tampa Bay Rays, who they made that trade with. And you're going to see a lot of platoon type of stuff. But uh, yeah, let's move on to that final team. Uh, The World Series defending champion, Texas Rangers. Still doesn't sound quite right, but they're pretty good. Uh, Who do you think is underrated on that team, Ryan? (sighs) Marcus Simeon is somehow underrated still. I don't know how it's possible. It's so weird. Yeah, like he finished as the 12th best player in fantasy last year. And it's hard to be underrated when you're a top 30 pick. But, I mean, he's going at 28. He finished 12th. He literally never misses a game. Like he – 
I don't know what he what he would have to do to get out of the lineup, but he plays 160, 162 games every single year. It's not always a smooth sailing to get there. He can go through lulls sometimes, and he's not a great batting average bet. Mm-hmm. But like, there's not a safer pick in fantasy. And if you are going to let me have Marcus Simeon in the second round, I'm going to take him. Any day of the week and twice on Sunday. Uh, missed one game the last three seasons. He's averaged over those three se- three seasons, 33 home runs, 95 RBIs, 113 runs, 18 stolen bases. Like he's just completely bust proof. Like maybe he's not going to be 12th, finishes the 12th best fantasy option again, but I, ha- I have zero qualms about taking him in the in the second round. Just are a you, bus proof stud. Are you taking him over Ozzy Albies uh, as the best second baseman? <sighs> oh, Pretty gosh. close, putting, man. Putting me, putting him on. Yes. Okay. I'm taking Simeon. Yeah, I think I would too. And that's, again, not an insult to Albies. I just think you have a higher floor and some pretty darn high ceiling with Marcus Simeon as well. Um, I don't think there's an obvious answer outside of Simeon for people that are being uh, underdrafted because Texas is really good. But I will say I've seen Evan Carter go outside the top 100 in a few drafts, and I think that's a mistake. I think Evan Carter is going to be the best rookie in baseball next year. I don't see anything Evan Carter can't do. And the fact that he gets to get driven in by some really good players in a bottom of the lineup that will give him some RBI chances as well. Some risk as a 21-year-old, you know, and a lot of yeah. guys are worse in their second season just because baseball's really hard and people make adjustments. But if you watch Evan Carter play in the postseason, and I know that seems like a long time ago now, he looked as good as any player on that team. He has that type of upside. Um, for my uh, overrated, I'm actually going to change mine up a little bit. Uh, I think I was going to go with Nathaniel Lowe. I don't want to talk about another first baseman. I'm going to go with Wyatt Langford. And I really like Wyatt Langford in the long term. Of course I do. I understand why our buddy James Anderson is ranking him as the best fantasy prospect in baseball. I just don't think he's going to help you in 2024. As mm-hmm. Even though he was in AAA last year, I think there's enough talent in the Texas outfield right now with Carter and Leody Tavares and Adolis Garcia. I just don't really see it. And I like those three guys quite a bit. I think Leody Tavares, by the way, is underrated. I wouldn't doubt if he had a little bit of a breakout season. And he was pretty darn good in 2023 as well. A lot of ups and downs, but that's to be expected for a player who is much younger than you'd think just because we've been talking about him since like 2016 or whatever. But I'm not drafting Wyatt Langford. There are prospects that I will draft. And by the way, here's a little bit of a uh, preview. Tomorrow, I'm going to have my buddy Ryan Anderson, or Ryan Anderson, RJ Anderson on the show, and we are going to talk about prospects who could make a impact. But White Langford, get the upside. Would be you willing to use a hell of a lot of fab to go get him, but I'm not using a draft pick on him, not in 2024. Yeah, I've I've been surprised at how close he and Evan Carter have been going in drafts. I'm going to be it's going to be interesting to see if the Rangers bring in a designated hitter. It seems like they probably will. And if they do bring in a notable designated hitter, that kind of closes off another avenue for White Langford. I'm more bullish on you than that he's going to make a 2024 impact, but I do think he's probably being drafted a little high. Guy that I think is being drafted high is Josh Young. Um, 
244, 295, 417, 11 home runs and 292 plate appearances, a 31.2% strikeout rate from June on. Got off to that awesome start. That's what, what people are remembering, but he really wasn't very good the rest of the way. Overall on the season, 29.3% strikeout rate, just a 5.8% walk rate. Absolutely no speed to speak of. NFBC ADP is sitting at 104. I mean, I can get Max Muncy 65 picks later. I can get Jaimer Candelario, who's in a great situation in Cincinnati, 130 picks later. Good point. I just don't I just don't see a reason to pick Josh Young that high. I I, I think he's gonna be a perfectly solid major league player for a long time, but I think there's some downside there that people are overlooking. I think that's totally fair. It wouldn't shock me if he ended up being like a top seven or eight third baseman. It also wouldn't shock me if he was top 16 or 17. Like there's guys like Alec Bohm who can give you similar value in later rounds. Cabrian Hayes, maybe that's the breakout year that yep. we finally get. I'd probably rather take my chances late on those guys than overdraft young. Although I will say third base still is weird 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 position uh, that's going to do it for us thank you so much for listening to the rod wire fantasy baseball podcast so starting tomorrow we go back to daily shows i'm going to give you the schedule real quick on sunday it will be me and a guest on sunday nights you will get jeff and scott Zolst- <laughs> jeff and scott tuesday you'll get jeff and fred wednesday james and guest thursday jeff and guest friday clay and todd and then on Saturdays, it will be me and Ryan. We're really excited to get back to daily shows. We appreciate all the support that we've had in this offseason. Um, but it's time. It's time to get going. And again, rotowire.com slash pod. Get a free look behind our paywall. It's an awesome deal. Ryan is showing off an awesome tumbler. I think that's what they call those now. I don't drink coffee, so I don't really know what the kids call them. Although I can hear the ice in your drink, so you're not drinking coffee, are you? I about that. Ice coffee, actually. Oh, there you go. Ice coffee. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we will see you tomorrow. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.